smoking if you're an old soul, Speedy. The old phrase of the day is chin wag. <laughs> oh, that definitely peaked the mic. Who cares? That's okay. That's, it's actually at this point a tradition that we have your <laughs> microphone sound terrible as soon as I say the old phrase. Chin wag. <laughs> chin wag. Do you have a guess? Uh, chin wag. Chin wag. Chin, chin wag. I, I will tell you, it is British and we'll get to why in a second. Chin wag. Chin wag. I'm going to say that that's uh, someone who is always a naysayer because they're always wagging their chin back and forth, left to right. I love that. Na, 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 na. I love that because then the opposite would be like a dog is a tail wagger, always really excited to see somebody. Yeah. But humans are grumpier, so they're chin waggers. <laughs> and that was, of course, the correct definition. Yes. yes, maybe in America, but I use the British phrase on purpose. I found it from the independent and a chin wag is a good chat, catch up or gossip with somebody. Here's it in a sentence. Those two are having a proper chin wag. I haven't been able to get a word in edgeways for half an hour. So according to independent chin wag is just a good old chat, which is convenient because our guest today is a British actor who I did have a lovely old chat I'm not going to say chinwag because I never know from the internet if I'm actually using it correctly. It's an old soul at gmail.com if I'm wrong. But we are talking to Emmy-nominated actor Jeremy Swift, who plays Leslie Higgins on the now best comedy-winning show, Ted Lasso, which Speedy has seen every episode of and more. <laughs> oh, yes. Biggest fan. Tud Lasso, my favorite show. Tud Lasso? Yes, Tud Lasso. He, she only likes the French because she took French in high school. So yes. she watches the French version, Tud Lasso. Yes. <laughs> well, let's continue our chin wag first. We always say we love you, Kane Tanaka. Yes, 118 years old, living in Japan and going strong. Do we know her birthday? Because we say it every episode. So at this point, we should probably make sure we know when she could be 119. That's a good point. We could, in fact, do a birthday countdown, perhaps. Yes, I feel like that should be a whole episode. We'll try to get her on the podcast. I know she's a big listener. <laughs> we actually, you know what? We did gain a lot of from our ABBA episode her birthday's in January okay so that's easy to remember 1903 um from the ABBA episode we did we gained a lot of listeners from around the country like we had a bunch in Sweden around the world did I say yeah (laughs) around like I was saying I was bragging uh back to my brag we got the Nebraska Uh, (laughs) market which we were dying for finally um we have it in like in Sweden Germany Austria Ghana Lebanon australia canada like it's really fun thanks abba yeah thanks abba oh i don't know what we have to offer people who live in those wonderful places but thanks for listening um guys what do we offer offer them a weekly and bi-weekly chin wag about favorite music (laughs) and movies across time and space oh yeah that's what people are looking for globally a good chin wag a good chin wag so we'll keep our chin wag moving along with one of our favorite segments previously on this week. Speedy, what yes. happened years ago on this exact fortnight? <gasps> years ago on this exact fortnight, Elvis Presley made his first ever public appearance. <gasps> he was 10 really? years old. Oh, yeah. He was 10 years old. And he sang at, are you ready, Danny? Yes. He sang at the Mississippi, Alabama Dairy Show. <laughs> <laughs> at the mississippi al alabama dairy show Mm -hmm. so as in like the 
dairy show is so big that two states have to share it because one state couldn't possibly handle a singular dairy show. I, that, that can be the only explanation. Just the talent, the dairy is so explosive. It cannot be held within one state's bounds. Uh, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you know or know or we're at the Mississippi-Alabama Dairy Show, we would be willing to do an entire anthology series about whatever that is. <laughs> do you have any other facts about that specific performance, or is that that's the big the big thing? Oh, that's the big thing. I, in that fact, I purposely did not look further into the Mississippi-Alabama Dairy Show because I wanted to imagine what, it, what it exists in my daydreams um, is probably greater. <laughs> than whatever I, it actually is. I was sitting here going through every Elvis song on my head to try to make it dairy. But we can't go on together with suspicious mold. <laughs> suspicious Just mold. mold. <laughs> Didn't we do that, Suspicious Minds, one time? That was in our Lyrics People Always Get Wrong episode. We had one. I forgot oh, what it was. Oh, gosh, we did. If you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you know our episodes better than we do. Uh, Speedy, do you have another one? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I decided to add, uh, to end, excuse me, on um, very happy note in 1970, no. Janis Joplin doing? died of a heroin overdose. Yay. You can always count on me to raise the mood. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, history isn't usually perfect. Our show Sometimes puts a positive sheen on it, but a lot of our favorite artists died tragically, and she was one of them, and she's forever grouped with Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison for dying around a similar time with similar um, reasons. But that really sucks, Speedy, that you decided to um, ruin the episode. So You're, you're welcome. Good job. We, we can't recover from this. No, I don't know what we would do. I could read a lyric. People always get wrong. That was my plan. Oh, if, if you're prepared for that, I think... Uh, you could bail us out. I will. Well, well, let me just say that we love Janis Joplin on this podcast. We do. And may she rest in peace. She is one of the greatest singers of all time. Ever, ever. Ever, ever. Okay. Uh, every week, like to read a misheard lyric because ever since we did that episode, we've gotten so many. Uh, this one, though, I actually heard on the radio or on a podcast, and I decided it was funny enough that I wanted to share it with you now. It was from uh, Mike Ryan on the Levitard podcast. He was said it in passing. But I was like, oh, this is perfect for our podcast. Write down, write down, write down, write down. <laughs> As if anyone writes anymore. Type, type up my thumb. Thumb, 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 thumb. Thumb, thumb, thumb. <laughs> okay. I'm going to sing to you what he thinks the words to My Girl by The Temptations are, okay? Oh, my goodness. I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I've got the muffins made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was going oh unless i don't know the lyrics it all sounded pretty good until ah the muffins ah, ah muffins yes he says uh i've got the month of may that's what they sing in that song uh did you know that yourself speedy i did know that real lyric but i have to say uh, muffins made is kind of a better lyric i'm more excited about the muffins I agree, because when it's cold outside, it's not going to be May. And also, May's kind of mm. cold sometimes, so it doesn't really work because May is usually cold the first three weeks. Yeah. And muffins on a cold day are immediate joy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's the food equivalent of hot cocoa. You pull those muffins fresh and hot out of the oven. Ho, ho. 
Sometimes huh. you, you hear them better. Everybody, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, we will gladly take any lyrics you've always heard wrong. We like to share them on the podcast, and we will give you a shout-out. Um, okay, well, as Molly Dominic, let's get to our, our guest. Um, Speedy does not actually watch Ted Lasso, so I just did this one solo, but she's very excited to listen to this and then be prompted to finally watch the show that I've been begging her to watch for two years. Yes. <laughs> You'll finally do it? I'll, I'll finally do it. This I have now been publicly pressured, so I must. <laughs> <laughs> we actually talk about during the episode in the interview about how many people say they want to watch it if only they have Babel TV Plus. And he's like, it's not that hard to just get it. <laughs> we talk about that. We talk about how he was almost in Lord of the Rings, which is a great story. We talk about um, what it was like Emmy night and what it's like to be on set with Jason Sudeikis and all the improv that goes into it and music selections, his own music career because he has an album, his favorite artists from the 60s. And I learned about some British bands I've never heard of, uh, like Roxy Music, who he talks about for a long time. So I learned a lot too. So everybody, we now welcome Emmy-nominated actor and musician from Ted Lasso, Jeremy Swift. And we are now joined by Emmy nominee, oh, that sounds sexy. We like saying that, actor and thespian, Jeremy Swift. Jeremy, have you gotten tired of saying Emmy nominee yet? Um, A little bit, but... I didn't think I would win it, but I, I, I thought, well, the, the, the positive spin on uh, not winning it is that I'll always be known as Emmy nominee. And it'd be, it'd be like, oh, again? You know, in 20 years' time, you're like, he's still being nominated. You know, it, it sounds ongoing. <laughs> exactly. Whereas he, he, he it won it an, sounds present. He won, right? an, he won an Emmy. Yeah, that was a long time ago. But Emmy nominee sounds ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, right. It sounds like nominee elect, like they're right. saying he's been nominated this year. <laughs> I don't know what it was like for you at the Emmys, but for us watching at home, it was almost like a competition to see how many times we could hear Marcus Mumford say "Yeah," because every time Ted Lasso kept winning in the first five minutes, and you kept hearing "Yeah, it might be all that." <laughs> yeah, it might be all. That. Did you? realize how many times you're going to hear that theme song as you sat there that not night? at all no no i didn't know what was going on that in, in that space <laughs> at all. No, no um no it was the whole thing was very long and um we hadn't eaten um and so they gave us these i'm vegetarian i do eat cheese but they gave us these little boxes with loads of sliced meat at the bottom with some cheese on the top. And I was like, well, I'm not touching that. And then after a bit, I was like, I'm so hungry. So every time they went to an ad break and they, and they brought the lights up, I just went for the cheese and it became Pavlovian. It was like, um, I was like a lab rat, like lights up, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that is so Hollywood to only give everyone charcuterie and think that's enough. <laughs> Like, give them some meat and cheese. It's a very trendy thing to do these days. Just give you meat and cheese and think that's a meal and it costs $50. Yeah. Is that what they pro- – oh, my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you in on the charcuterie trend yet, No, I, I, no that's, a, that's, I'm, mm, that's a new word for me. I probably have heard that. It's an over – okay. It's a very blown-out-of-proportion American trend where they, they, they put meat, cheese, and bread on a platter. Right. And they charge, like, $100 for it. Oh, dear. So it sounds like you were the latest uh, in that scam. Oh. So I I read, and I don't know if this is really true, that you 
slept through the Emmy nominations that you actually found out from your agent? Is that really true? Oh no, I didn't sleep through them. No, I was I was up, but I didn't know. Nobody. <laughs> I'm always if if there's a kind of off off screen film of Ted Lasso. It's like I'd be the nerd because uh, who doesn't know what's going on. Everybody else has got amazing publicists, and you know, um, uh, Hannah. I ran up to her room later on. She was already being quaffered up with two guys and her manager, and it was like something out of the fifties. I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And she was like, "Oh, darling. Well, I think that you know. And uh, could you move your head a bit? Hair drying." And um, but no, I was I was up and I was. I didn't know when they were going to be announced. I knew it was early, so I didn't have I didn't have the television on because I didn't know what where it would be. I just had my laptop ready to go, and I was looking up um, uh, music, classical music concerts for London. When I got back, and that, and then my manager rang me and um, told me that I'd been nominated and I, I meant no you mean the show we knew the show was going to be right she said no you and I went really and then I was a bit you know sort of emotional well, of course like, how could and then I was like <laughs> uh, but are you sure I can't I was like as I was talking to her I can't find anything I'll send you a picture and then she sent just to send a just a picture of me I was like with no information I was like that doesn't tell me anything. It could be from any time. <laughs> I know my it's, name. <laughs> yeah, and I, I sort of know what I look like, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, yes, and then you know, that was, yeah, it was all a bit weird. Yeah. Well, what was so surprising about it was just that four of you were all nominated in the same category for Best Supporting Actor. Did you, in your head, think, oh, there's too many of us. Somebody's going to have to fall out of this? Uh, no, I don't know. what I, th I just thought it was great. And yeah. I did think, well, we're not a kind of cookie cutter show, you know, uh, we're all very, I mean, we all look considerably different. Uh, people will have their favorites um, and, and maybe um, it might, uh, I just thought, oh, maybe people would vote for one person and, and it would sort of, the show would lose, you know, an award because it would be split and somebody else would get it. But no, I, and then I thought after a bit. No, Brett's very sexy. He's got a good story. <laughs> He's got hairy. People like that. So um, yeah, I wasn't. I, 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 I pretty. I pretty much was sure that he would get it. Yeah, I understand. Although I did see early that you actually were also an odds favorite early on. So you were right up there with him. But he, yes, he he did win. Jeremy, there's a lot of things on the internet. People think that Brett is CGI. Have you seen this? You yes, know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, no, it's, it's Did you fantastic. ever feel that way? Because you've actually seen him in person. Does he actually look that cookie cutter perfect? <laughs> he is meticulous. And um, I, I mean, it was a, it's, a, it's a very funny observation. And he, um, uh, he went onto Instagram with, um, you know, there's a thing you can do, isn't it? I, 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 right, I, he had like I, a, a cartoon face yeah, over his face. And himself, yeah, yeah, and just denying it, which is, uh, which is you know, a great gag. But um, <laughs> I have to say, in most pictures, I've taken pictures of him and said, hey, Brett, can I take your picture? You know, when we were doing something, like we're in a big photo shoot on a hotel roof in LA, and he just, <laughs> he just went, yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't do a kind of like, um, you know, holiday kind of, cheese, you know, smile. Yeah. It was just like, 
Go on then. Um, oh, but he's that's not, perfect. But, but, you know, it was a little bit as right. But, no, he does smile a lot, and he's a very warm guy. He's very, very uh, just full of humanity, Brett. He's, um, you have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredibly smart, and I think he, he reads a lot of psychology books and things like that, and he used to be a stand-up, so he's very quick-witted. So, uh, and he, I think he's unusual because he's a bit like um, a cross between a sort of method actor and a stand-up. And um, you don't often get that. You get people who have done stand-up and they come on a show and they're like, you what? Oh, I don't know. And they're sort of <laughs> still partly doing their act right. and not really relating to, to other actors. He doesn't do that at all. Yeah, so I think it's um, quite a special um, performance he gives. I, I do want to timestamp this interview. We are talking, this is a very weird timing for both of us because this is, we're up Monday. October 4th, where the finale is this Friday. Yeah. Um, we'll not do any spoilers. I want people to be able to listen to this no matter how many episodes they've seen. Uh, but when you first read the script, did you know immediately, oh, this is different than most shows? This is really warm? Actually, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, know that that was what they were going for until I saw, saw the uh, first season. Really? Um, not really. No, I, I sort of thought it's buoyant mm. because Jason's bo and it's smart, um, and um, you know, uh, yeah, full of it had warm. But I didn't think that would be his kind of overriding appeal um, uh, because you know there are some, um, you know, there is a lot of swearing in it, and there's there's a little there's there's a lot of oi. I mean, it's not just Roy, but you know, there's, you know, there's mm -hmm. Jamie being toxic and um, and sort of a little bit of bullying of Nate in in the first season. So, uh, I mean, uh, no, I didn't. Uh, if, if that was their intention, I never got the um, the uh, the email uh, because I was just going for <laughs> you know, sort of you know, um, a, a little bit cuckoo, you know, kind of slightly oddball. Uh, humor um uh, but you know I, 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 with everything i do with any com comedy that i do i try and make it truthful as well so um but no i didn't i didn't think that was the uh, the remit at all not not particularly no mm -hmm. did you change the character at all like is was higgins different when you first read him you kind of put your own spit on him in a way maybe that was more in the second season but you did at least incorporate the upright bass which you do actually play uh, yes, that was just an invite from Jason to, to do that. But uh, uh, no, I think um, I think until the end of season one, he's a very careful um, character, you know, and, and, and it changes up in season two uh, um, because he's been given license to be himself and be more trusted and, and, and is more confident because of it. Did you binge watch Scrubs to kind of figure out what Bill Lawrence shows were like? <laughs> That's a good question. I did buy, um, I watched the first two seasons, um, but for, um, um, just before we started shooting. And I haven't got really gone back to it, um, um, but because there are a lot, aren't there? Um, but yep. friends of mine say, oh, well, who have been talking about Ted Lasso, season two said was well, not surprising because bill lawrence changed up scrubs and went down different 
you know, unexpected avenues um, further further down the road with that. So I thought, oh yes, that's that's interesting. It's a, that's a thing that that Bill does. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He adapts. He also has, and this is true for both Scrubs and this show, an amazing soundtrack. He always picks out songs. I'm like, I thought nobody else knew that song, or how does anybody know that song? Yeah. In season two, I will not give things away, but they do incorporate a, "She's a Rainbow" by the Rolling Stones into your character's arc. You and your wife, Mary Roscoe. Was that story true, or did he just think of that? No, it's no, it's not. It's not true. Okay. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, I, um, um, I have to fess up that I don't have one Rolling Stones uh, track in my in my big collection of music. Uh, I mean, uh, Joe Kelly said, um, asked me uh, if what uh, would be a you know a, 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 a you know a, a track that would suit. And I thought, given my age, and also that we're playing down at our age a bit, Mary and I are, are far too old to have like a seven-year-old. You do have a granddaughter, don't you? In real life, I have a grandson. Yeah, I have in a, real, a... Yeah, you have a grandson. Sorry, you have a grandson. Yeah, yeah. But in this show, you have like five young boys. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, well, we haven't... Yeah, from an adult in his 20s to a kind of seven, eight-year-old. Um, but so I thought, oh, it'd be in the 80s. So I came up with a few things like um, David Bowie, Modern Love. And my my favorite was um, Push It by Salt and Pepper, because I thought that would make a great <laughs> ringtone and was funny. Um, but Joe Kelly said, no, I think Jason wants to go with She's a Rainbow. And I can see how he worked out. Actually, the the, the editing uh, of that mm. uh, show she, there she is so in that blue. Song is is a video in its own right. I mean, I don't know it intimately, but and it slows down, and the and the percussion drops out of it, uh, and they use that in the narrative, and even when there's a moment which of the psychedelic ending. I mean, you've probably seen it several times, Danny, but there's this kind of like. They've kind of nicked the Beatles' um, "Day in the Life" kind of mad, mad orchestra, yep. mm-hmm. and there's a bit where it just goes across Nick's face, Nate's face, and he and it's it's very disturbing. Did you clock that with the kind of violins going? Um, so it's I, I, the, the, the way it's put together in the show is I, I don't think I've ever seen a track used in its entirety. Uh, that fits like a a, a, a a perfect jigsaw puzzle piece into a show. I think it's in, in, incredible. It, you know, it's so funny you say that because when they used that song in that episode, and obviously like they clocked in a lot of things, like he says, lady dressed in blue and your real life wife who plays your wife on the show is yeah. wearing blue and you're meeting at the game. And it's very romantic. But when I, when I first watched it, I was like, you know, as somebody who works in television, I was like, oh, they must have taken that song kind of edited it on like a loop a little bit to make time so they could get to that line and, and sync it up with you and your wife and then they figured out the thing with nate and then i listened to the song and i was like nope they actually just shot a music video with a rolling stone song yeah but the script matches the moments so that's perfect yeah i i always wonder and i don't know if you know the answer either but how they integrate songs into scenes. Like, do they have a giant playlist for different moods and they go back to those playlists to figure out what they want to use for certain scenes? I, I, I really don't know because um, I think you have to have a, a jukebox in your head, don't you? I mean, I have, yeah. I have scored a couple of things myself 
Um, and I know, uh, I know the effect music can have just when you just spin something in, um, but you also immediately know when something doesn't work. Um, but to uh, but to 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 finesse it is is something else, and um, yeah, they they they're very good at doing that. The 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 editing crew are just superb on the show. Yeah, knockout. Hey everybody, if you want to support Jeremy Swift, he has an album called Everything's a Joke, and I highly recommend you check it out. It is on Spotify. I found it. Yay! And iTunes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and iTunes, everybody, please. I'm not joking. It's called Everything's a Joke. Jer- he, he does play the upright bass in the show, but you are an actual real musician. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on my second album now, yeah. Do you know what it's going to be called yet? Um, I think it's going to be my, my wife said, oh, you can't call it that. I think it's going to be called Songs of Escape and Endless Night. That's perfect. Um, That's pandemic. You got it. Yeah, I, know. The era. I know. Um, so because I thought... I've gone. I've gone through the kind of content of each of the songs. Thought, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> it's all the songs. So uh, yes, uh, my uh, my only thing is that my producer is um, uh, he's only he's only mixed three tracks, even though and there are lots of pending which he's yet to do. Um, so I'm a bit like, come on, um, <laughs> work with me here. Doesn't everyone have an actor's life where you have like an off season? You could just do everything yeah, at once yeah he's very very busy and very because he's very very good and he worked with um he's in all sorts of things he he, he uh he's called mark warman he worked with scott walker on scott walker's more recent difficult albums and he's done string arrangements for him and he wrote some film music with scott walker as well um and he's conducted choirs and yeah all sorts of stuff so as I, I'm in a relationship, I'm not married yet. You've been married to Mary for a good amount of time in 30 years. Is that right? We've been together 29 years 29. and we, we've been married about 19 or something. Nine. Well, congratulations, of course, first of all. Thank you. When she says, I don't like that, how often is your wife? Because your wife is always right, right? But sometimes, you know, this is your personal project. It's your baby. You have an idea for it. When do you decide when she's always right and when you're just going to go with your gut? Oh. <laughs> um, I, well, I, well if, it's, if it's a household thing like, but I want the, the room cream. You always get your way. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, then, then there's somewhere there's got to be a compromise because if it's, if it's something I've said, but it must be, it's the law. Um, then, then, uh, it, then it's gonna. Then that's not gonna work out because it'll be forever. Like, well, you, it was your decision to have the carpet that color, and then, then, then. so um, uh, you, you have to compromise. You know. All right, I'll write that down. I'll have to compromise. Thank you for marriage advice. <laughs> I mean, you guys are very beautiful. Anytime. Everyone enjoys watching you guys on Ted Lasso. How did she actually get to be on the show? Um, she. Um, she went up for a couple of parts because you know there are lots. Um, there are so many characters that just pop up for for a, briefly, and in the first season she went up for the woman at the um, uh, oh God, what do you call it again? The gala in episode four. Um, she went up for old lady. She, that's what the oh, character who, who bets on who bets on Jamie. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And 
I said, you're not going to get that. You're too, you know, I know we're very old, but when you're too well preserved. That old, old. Yeah. yeah no, um, so, uh, and then she, and while she was there, she read for, you know, irate pedestrian or something. And, um, and so uh, she said, oh, she had a good time with Theo Park and had a good laugh. And I said, I said, oh, well, I hope you get one of them. And then um, Bill came up to me um, when we were shooting on location and said, oh, um, how well do you get on with your wife? Have you worked with your wife? And I said, yeah, well, yeah, a couple of times. And she said, he said, how do you get on well with her when you're working with her? And I <laughs> said, yes. And he said, oh, because we're thinking of having the character of, you know, because I'd suggested, um, I'd suggested, uh, that maybe Higgins had an an ex-wife who was really uh, horrible, um, but they didn't want that, and rightly so because there's enough. You know, Rupert's Rupert's the ex-husband; he's really horrible. Yep. You can't have exes just being yeah. Uh, so they, they said. So they said no. They wanted um, uh, they wanted a you know a positive relationship. So that's how that all began. Interestingly enough, we, we you know in in reflection of other things that go on in the show. So obviously they don't want the same things echoed around the show. So so that's how that kind of like warm, uh, you know, sustained relationship began. Uh, so yeah, he said, and he said, oh, well, we'd, um, we, we'd like, you know, we've had your wife come in to read and think she's really lovely. And so I was like, ooh. ooh. Is, do you ooh. ever think about how interesting life is? And that's an example right there where you want something and then you don't get it and you're sad about it at that moment, but then something better later on happens because of it. Where if she had gotten the gala role, then she wouldn't have been able to come on as your wife because they already, already had her in the show. So it was like a blessing that she didn't get it. Does that happen to you a lot in life? Where you're like, oh, I'm really mad that this didn't happen, but then something better happens because it didn't well, you happen? Only, you only see it retrospectively, don't, really, don't you really? Right. I mean, I went up for... Um a theater job just before Ted Lasso. And it, you know, it was, I met some um, uh, quite brassy kind of women, the writer and the director. And um, uh, and I, I thought I was really right for the part. It was a version of kind of Hedda Gabler and it was um, to, to a new version and it was to play her husband. And, um, and, and they, didn't, they didn't give me the role. And, and I, at the time I was like, really? You know? Uh, but now I feel like writing. I feel like writing them. Thank you so much for not right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, because you know about three weeks later I got Ted Lasso. So uh, yeah, but you don't always. There are some things you know. Uh, uh, it's when something's big. Like I went up for Sam Gamgee um, in Lord of the Rings. You know, twenty years ago or whatever it was. Really. More. Yeah, how and, close were you and, to that? Um, I don't, I don't know, but the casting directors kept on t uh, telling uh, the, the 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 director. They said, "This is the guy. This is Sam Gamgee. Come on!" Um, and um, so it went back and forth for a bit, and so you know, and I didn't get it. But but then, the film—it's a trilogy of films that come out over a period of five years with you know posters everywhere. <laughs> Two towers, and you sort of like, oh, the job I didn't come back to haunt me, you know. So, uh, so you know, that can you know, you can sort of think, well, I did get something else, but why did I get, you know, 
so yeah, weird job that I chose to do all my life. Well, I was thinking about that, and we have examples of this, of course. I mean, Morgan Freeman's a great example of this, where somebody never gave up on the dream, kept yeah. going, and then became famous later on. I mean, if you had told your 20-year-old self when you set out to be an actor, you'll get an Emmy nomination, but it won't happen until you're almost 60. Uh, <laughs> you think you like your 20-year-old self would have been surprised by that? He would have been like, let's do it. I don't care. I just want to act. Oh, if I'd, if I'd known that 20, I would have been like, oh, well, I'll just wait till then and just eat a load of sandwiches uh, or something. <laughs> I'll stall. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably wait. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, just, I'll just watch TV for the next 40 years. <laughs> uh, I don't, and it's difficult to know, isn't it? You know, But yeah, it, it is very surprising to, to be in something this big at my age. I, I, I sort of try and hint at that to the younger members of the cast, like, this is very unusual. It probably mm. won't happen again, um, you know. Um, but at least, at least my, the career, my career has sort of done that, and it hasn't gone da da boom, and you know the the shining burning star thing. Uh, so um, yeah. For everyone at home who couldn't see the visual, uh, Jeremy acted out a, a chart that is trending <laughs> upward and not promptly crashing with an anvil from for Wiley Coyote. <laughs> it's going well <laughs> i i was waiting for a show like ted lasso to come out because at this point like netflix is like mainstream and they turned down jason and bill to make ted lasso and now the ted lasso's out this is the i think the first show where everyone's like crap i need apple tv and like all the other streaming services are like oh i wish we had a ted lasso and i just there's so many people where i beg them to watch ted lasso but they just don't have apple tv plus and i want them all to see it it's very easy to get though, isn't it? And I think there's a there's a trial. Is it, it's three mm-hmm. months. There is a trial. Um, so um, yeah, yes. The, 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 yeah, I have a few friends saying, "Oh, I wish I could get it." It's like, hang on, you've got a TV, you got Netflix, yes. Then you can get Apple TV. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not rocket science. Really. No, I did it, and I and I've. I've never regretted it. It's one of my favorite shows. I've watched it many times. And well, what's crazy, because it just, again, we were just talking about in retrospect, but it just, it came out at the perfect time. It just, we were at a time in our world where everything was feeling down and sad. And then we have this show come in that's just like, no, we're going to be the optimistic show. We're just going to be warm and fuzzy. That's another example where like, I can't believe that worked out that way. I know. It's, I wonder how much, um, I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, we've heard this this, this story a lot that it's that it's helped people a lot through this awful time, and you know, and if it did do that, then that's uh, above and beyond what anybody could wish to expect from a from a successful show. But um, as the creators have said, you know, the the, the world was quite bad anyway <laughs> before <laughs> that's fair. COVID nineteen came along. <laughs> But still, um, it still wasn't made with that particularly in mind. But I think it was just, I think it was just a way of sidestepping tropes and cliches that have been going around for maybe a couple of decades in in uh, modern comedy writing. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's what they've done, and and they, because they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think I know television. When I watch the show, I'm always like, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen because something mean always happens in movies and television. And this show breaks all those molds. So when, when you get the scripts, are you reading them like, oh, and this is when this will happen because they're going in this arc and then just takes a complete left turn. And you're like, oh, right. This show doesn't do that. This is the happy show. Uh, yeah. Although it's not it's not always uh in this season, it isn't always a happy show, but it's certainly, you, it's not a show you can predict. And and I and I saw I saw um, <laughs> like before episode four of this season came out, which was the Christmas episode, I could see people on social media already already trying to predict where the the team's successes were going. I think I mean, next week, what's going to happen is this like nope, it's a Christmas episode actually. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with anything. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad you brought that up too, because I didn't find out till later than I read online that you guys, is this true that you had already written the 10 episodes and they asked for two more? And then you were like, all right, we'll do a Christmas episode. And all right, we'll do coaches kind of a side episode. Yeah, we, we weren't told that. But yeah, it, as, the, as, as non-script um, writing cast members, but yeah, that's clearly uh, what happened. But you know, if it wasn't for the fact, if, if it that it's that it that it's, that it's episodic, if it if it came out on Netflix and it came out in a bunch, people would people wouldn't quite notice that quite so much, I think, because you know, if you think back to Frasier or something, it didn't always follow a kind of a, a, a heavy arc over twenty four episodes. You know, it'd be just another, um, you know. Um, episode where oh Frazier gets a failed romance well why didn't she ring <laughs> um you know uh, something and and you wouldn't notice it so much but i think because people are kind of uh, scrutinizing the trajectory of the show that the, they're a bit like oh oh i see um but i think those standalone episodes are are great i love the the, the beard after hours and it's yep. like a you know film or something it was fantastic and, and the Christmas episode, too, was kind of, I think, your character's shining moment. That's where you got to give, well, A, they go into your home a little more, yeah. hang out with your kids a little more. And then you have your big speech where you say uh, the friends we meet along the way. When you, right. when you, when you, as an actor, when you read that and you saw you had that speech, were you like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to kill this speech. This, <laughs> I'm going to own this. Uh, there was that, but it was also like, that's a lot of names to get right. Oh, Yo, well. true, right? That's a great point. Why didn't I bring that up first? You're so right, Jeremy. Yeah, when you realize that you had to memorize a bunch of countries from South America and Africa, where you're like, oh boy, I need some mnemonic devices and some flashcards. Um, yeah, and yeah, and of course, I would, I would sort of, I'd, I'd look online for the more you know, pronunciation and things. But then I was doing all the places I was citing uh, were were the actual places for you know. I had to remember it was like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're from Guadalajara, you know, you know, and uh, Biz is from, you know. Um, so so, and they would be like, it's actually blah, 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 or whatever it was. So so, I'd be like, thanks, thanks. So uh, you know, well, you know, we'll do another take. Well, where I get it right. Um, but um, yeah, but no, it was it was a great speech and a great episode. It, we shot we shot it rather than shat it. Uh, uh, True. Um, after we did one, two, three, five, and six, I think, and then shot four for some reason. I think it was a set thing. 
I don't know. Um, so, but everybody, you know, all the the uh, costume and everybody, the makeup people were like, "Oh, episode four is very, four is very good." It's like, "Oh, when are we gonna do it?" Um, so, uh, but it was very enjoyable to do, and and you know, Mary and I were chopping up food and <laughs> in in the kitchen or tidying up, and it's just like being at being at home with um, a few more people and some cameras. It was that was a uh, quite strange. Sure, you sweet. are hosting it. They're making you yeah, cut yeah. up stuff in the kitchen and arrange the table and the surfboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't give you like a pronunciation guide for all the countries. They just they did sent not. them to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been helpful <laughs> saying they yeah, wanted yeah. to say them all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't. No, they didn't. No, no, no. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. No, I did. I, I did. I did. I did love that doing that episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you killed it, and I think when you when you win the Emmy next year, they'll play that speech as your little <laughs> clip. Because this year they just used a clip of you dancing in the locker room, and I was like, guys, he had more dramatic moments than that where he showed his chops. Did you were you mad when they used that clip during the Emmys? Uh, I was, but do you know what? I thought afterwards, I thought I didn't win it, but when when they showed all the clips, mine was the last one, and mine got the biggest laugh. So uh, okay, that's important. That's a good consolation. I for my own personal satisfaction, that. So. <laughs> it is interesting because, like, you know, you were in Downton Abbey, which is a dramatic show. Now you're in this show. It's like a comedy drama hybrid. So, like, which pool are you drawing from when you're acting in this show? Like, is it more comedy or more drama for you when you're acting in it? Well, you well, you have to go from um, from the script, really. I mean, I I mean, I was in Foil's War as a regular, um, and that character was. Uh, it's quite a serious character. He's a motivating character. Uh, it didn't have the sort of pompous absurdity that uh, Spratt had, um, and I think there was a there was um, there was a comic tone in that because uh, with him rather um, because Maggie Smith has that intrinsically. So mm. I was told when I went up for that part that. Um, butlers were quite often sort of sort of avatars of the people they they served or, or, or worked for. Um, you know, uh, Jim Carson is a kind of solid uh, echo of Hugh Bonneville, um, and so they wanted somebody who was um, who was bolshy, <laughs> uh, like the Dowager, and you know had a sense of comedy, I guess. But sometimes you, I think, what can work in a drama is is pinging the comedy a little bit, and sometimes in the comedy, pinging the drama a bit. You know, it just gives it gives it resonance. Yeah, uh, it, it gives it more human. It's more humane that way, more relatable. Because mm. yeah. moments are not always all out dramatic. People do try to make jokes. That's right. Other, yeah, otherwise you end up with a maybe just a soap opera where it's just like <laughs> full, full on kind of crises. Yeah. How much of the show do you guys improvise? Do they like let you do a couple takes where it's like just go for it? Because it seems a lot of times like Jason's just gonna say a lot of things. They're just gonna let him cook, and he does a great job of it. Uh, yeah, Jason uh, in particular, and uh, and then when Jason is on set, because uh, he will come onto set and kind of finesse, uh, even if he's not in a scene, and uh, the the level always goes up because he's just uh, he's so smart and he's from the improv background where I suppose you're not quite 
satisfied until you're spinning it while the cameras are <laughs> literally rolling. Um, so uh, yeah, he'll he will uh, he'll 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 give us stuff sometimes just before a take or and and um, or um, he'll there'll be a twinkle and you'll know that you've got a freedom to do something. You know, like in this season, um, there was just one line uh, that that said, Higgins has difficulty getting through a window. I was like, yes, I think I've got some (laughs) stuff there. Uh, So I just did stuff and they went with it, you know. Um, But yeah, the scripts change a lot. uh, uh, And Jason is brilliant. And I think I've... uh, I've mentioned this in a few interviews, but his big speech at the end of uh, season one, when the when the team lose, and he gives mm-hmm. a sort of consoling speech, he did that about seven times, and the content changed radically each time, and yet it was, you know, eloquent and lucid. Uh, it's just I, I I just could not believe it. I could not believe that somebody could. I mean, it's one thing to see improv actors. I mean, I know he's been doing it for years, but comedy improv, you know, that kind of, who's had a particularly difficult week this week? Where did you go? Okay, so we've got a spoon, we've got a Yeti. (laughs) You know, it's not that. It's like proper literary uh, content. And that's just, that's just extraordinary to be able to do that. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's way beyond my skill set to do that. I have other stuff in there, but to be able to do that while the cameras are rolling and you're giving a speech to uh, 20 plus people is astonishing. Well, you're very good at changing desks and still being just as good in the scene. <laughs> they could just give you a freaking office. I think you've earned your office. You're supposed to get better treatment this year, not less treatment this year. <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you know, th- this podcast is... Uh, called If You're an Old Soul for people who love music and yeah. movies of previous eras. So I did want to ask you a little bit about some of your favorite music and movies. I, I wanted to ask, like, which artists from your childhood that you love were maybe a little bigger in England than they were in America? Like, they kind of crossed over, but not to the extent they did in England. Like, I was thinking maybe, like, Kate Bush is a good example of somebody who was, like, a juggernaut in England but didn't totally take over America. Who were some for you growing up? Oh, oh, easy. Uh, Roxy Music, who I've loved, although they did, you know, they had the odd hit, I think, much, much later on, well, relatively later on in their career, um, like more than this. Uh, um, But no, I have been a lifelong fan of Roxy Music and uh, and all the people in the band, because the uh, it was such... um, juxtaposition of uh talents um and and backgrounds it could never happen again you know um you had a really rock and roll drummer um who paul thompson um and brian ferry who was taught by richard hamilton who was ostensibly the first pop artist proper artist before andy warhol really about four or five years before Andy Warhol. And so uh, he, he, he really affected Brian Ferry and the way that he, you know, he thought about art. And that's what Brian Ferry wanted to do. He mixed up rock and roll, uh, music concrete and pop and um, jazz. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, 
So that's that's the first, particularly early on. Um, that's what Roxy Music were doing, and they looked extraordinary as well. They looked dangerous and effeminate, which really annoyed, you know, like Bowie, you know, it annoyed uh, older people a lot. Um, and I and I still think that their early stuff is is remarkable music, really. And uh, and unfortunately, they're not really together. And Brian Ferry does a kind of, you know. Very, he, he does a lot of Roxy Music songs in when he sings now, and it kind of his voice has gone as well a bit, really, sadly. Um, but yeah, that, that's without doubt. My, uh, uh, I, I'm, I've read so many books about them. In fact, I read one book <laughs> that's about that's written up until Roxy Music were formed. So it's all like, and there's like there's there's a bit where Brian Ferry uh, it, it it details Brian Ferry's work in um in a men's clothes shop in Newcastle and it goes up for about 60 pages. And, uh, you know, I actually like, oh no, he's still working in the shop. You know, I, I, <laughs> you're I, skipping ahead, like, oh, still a yeah, shop, right. still a shop, I now we're on clearance. I'm not doing with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I could do, um, you know, a quiz about rock music and all the, 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 the members of the band. Um, you know, even if they, they just spawned Brian Eno, um, which they did. Um, th- th- they would be remarkable, but but the, but they made incredible music. Yeah. Wow. You know, usually I try to be like an expert on this show, but I'll admit because the question was people who didn't really make as much in America. I don't think I've heard of them. Is it Roxy Music? R O X Y Music. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I literally have behind my laptop a picture. Uh, um, it's a it's a it's a rare sort of picture of um, a, a poster. Which is a, a friend got framed. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you were a glam rock guy. You were into them and 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 Bowie, maybe T Rex, people like that. Uh, T Rex less so, although retrospectively, I mean, I mean, I love T Rex's singles, but I didn't think that I didn't think that Mark Boland had it for albums, particularly. I, I, um, but the the T Rex singles were awesome. But Bowie, I, I think, is. A massive giant of, of in music, and and particularly, I pretty much adore every one of his seventies albums. Certainly, yeah. I I've recently gotten into vinyl, and I bought Ziggy Stardust on vinyl over the weekend, which I never had, and that is a perfect album, cover to cover. Yeah, yeah. My I I I oscillate around, uh, which is my favorite boy, but I think, <laughs> strange enough, it's Diamond Dogs. Um, is, um, really? That's yeah. perfect. Because the Diamond Dogs in the show. Wow, is that yeah. where that came from? Uh, no, I, I, I don't, I don't know quite how. I, I didn't. I never sort of really asked, but I, I sort of presumed it was. But I thought maybe it's another sporting reference that I didn't get. Um, but, um, but no, I, I just love that album. The, 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 uh, the, the he makes he he does a spin of, of nineteen eighty four. Uh, I think he wanted to call it 1984, actually, but the Orwell estate wouldn't let him. Mm. But, um, you know, there is a chapter in called We Are the Dead in 1984, and, and that song is amazing. It's so emotional and so weird. And and also um, to do 1984 as a kind of Barry White uh, <laughs> sort of track with, with wah-wah yeah. And, yeah, and strings and there's... Um, He's had some stunning ideas, really. <laughs> were there any American bands or artists that you were obsessed with from across the pond? 
Um, not not so much uh, when I was younger, um, but I've come to. I was I was way too young to really appreciate it, but you know Joni Mitchell. Um, All right, I, we'll take Canadian. That's a, <laughs> there's no oh, one sorry, in America. So we'll go with someone Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, there's our answer. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'd have, I've got a, a lifelong friend uh, who's a complete Dylanologist, and I've liked some Dylan, and I loved. Oh, again, um, I was going to say Leonard Cohen. He's Canadian as well, isn't he? Um, French Canadian, of course. Um, uh, God, no, I'm, I'm really sort of, I'm, you know, Britpop was my, has been my thing. And you, Europe, European bands when I was younger, um, uh, Can and Amon Duel, uh, or Amon Duel 2, rather, and um, Kraftwerk. Uh, I, I loved those um, when I was 12 or 13. And Faust, um, really weird stuff, you know. Um, it doesn't sound weird now, actually. It just sounds like, oh, it's a rock band with a synthesizer. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, those exist. We had yeah. those. So when yeah. you were growing up in England in the 60s and 70s, when the Beatles had just come out, I mean, you were like four when they really emerged, but are you like your earliest memories in music, the Beatles conquering everything, and you being like, wow, English people can go over to America and have a lot of success? Oh, I don't know whether I thought the latter, but I just thought, oh, the Beatles were great because my dad, my auntie, my was much younger than my dad, and she still lived with my grandparents. And uh, so when we would go over on a Saturday morning when I was small, I would go into her room and like, go, Nora, Nora, and she was still asleep being a teenager, and her room was covered in pictures of the Beatles, and she played the Beatles all the time. She saw the Beatles twice, um, wow. and won won them the second time, or was it the first time? I can't remember now. Was the day that Kennedy was assassinated? Really, it's nineteen sixty three. Yeah, she, and she said that the she had to creep out because, and it, when she got there, it was half full because there were clearly loads of parents going. You're not going out when that poor man's been killed. You stay, you know, going to watch those long-haired puffs. Yeah, you can't do that. Stay at home, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was aware. Uh, uh, yeah, the Beatles story was, uh, and I think when when I was young, that, that everybody just, um, you know, parents and and older people thought when they when they be, sort of became hippies and. And became weird at the end of the 60s they were like oh no what's that that john lennon oh no what's happened to him um you know and it, you know it wasn't until if you got into my teens like he became amazing that's why <laughs> <You know. laughs> he got cooler and more of a badass yeah it yeah. is interesting in the beginning of the beatles they complained that oh these guys are too pop they're not really seeing anything with sustenance and then they got political and everyone was like oh they've gone crazy They've gotten too full of themselves. Yeah. I'm fascinated to see uh, Peter Jackson's uh, series. Um, mm, which yeah. Is, uh, on on uh, the last album. Um, because that sounds like, and I just read an, an article about it. It sounds like it really throws some fresh light on it. Because, you know, that awful blame on, on Yoko Ono, just <laughs> just because she happened to be around and be, being a sort of faithful kind of partner. <laughs> And the horrible blame of the misogyny that, you know, that she 
got just because they split up a little bit afterwards when that film came out. You know, um, and and it's, you know, and, and it and it sounds like George Harrison was quite bolshy actually during the the uh, the making of that. You know, for, uh, he was he was getting he was clearly getting overshadowed and yep. and feeling that kind of you know kid younger kid brother kind of when do I get my spotlight? You know, um, so anyway, I, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I know you'll read interviews and George will say like. Oh, Paul would just come in and tell you exactly which part he wanted. He had figured out every instrument by himself, and there was no freedom. And George is like, "I have a lot of songs I'd like to play, and they're good." And then as soon as they break out, he comes out with a double album immediately because he had saved up all of his music. Yeah, wasn't it a triple album actually? Everything was, was it triple? I, I might have been. Um, um, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not going to challenge you on it. You you were alive, <laughs> <laughs> and, and in, in England, why would I challenge you on that? But no, I'm very excited about that too. And I, I think it's quite possible that they maybe were just fed up with each other being famous people and that it didn't all have to do with Yoko Ono. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because, uh, you know, you've had a crazy last couple of weeks. I know that you were doing press nonstop and you're probably tired of talking to people like me by now. No, I really enjoy it. I have a, I, I, yeah. I, actually, when it's slightly longer like this, Dan, uh, it's, it, it, you can, you can, get into stuff a little bit more i think it's when you have um when you do junkets and you have yeah. five minutes you, you have to be super succinct i see i can't even say the word super succinct um and uh and, and cram it all in you know uh but no this has been this has been great thank you well i'm glad you brought up junkets because then we'll, we'll end on that because i've interviewed you twice through junkets once bill lawrence once by yourself and my favorite part of both of them is the the story and the infamy of Rudy Toot Toot. <laughs> um, could you tell everybody about Rudy Toot Toot? Because it started because kind of like things we were talking about that there are things in England and America. We do we both speak English in our countries, but we both speak very differently. And what exactly happened? You were trying to guess an American yeah, phrase. Yeah. I think you, you or Bill may have asked me, and my. Um, yeah, I don't know where I dug that one up from. <laughs> uh, Rudy Toot Toot. When I see Bill Lawrence now, he goes, "All right, Rudy Toot Toot." Uh, <laughs> because you were you were guessing an American phrase, and you said, "I don't know, Rudy Toot Toot." Is that where that came from? I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I love that, Rudy Toot Toot. <laughs> Gotta get it uh, on a T-shirt. Yeah. You should trademark Rudy Toot Toot because it doesn't exist, so you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> it is not really real. <laughs> it is uh, now. It is now. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for your time. We really appreciate it. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Danny.